Well, like I said, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I know we, we have a lot of things going on at the end of the service. Pastor Jeremy will come up and he'll share some of those things with you, so I won't talk about any of that. But, but I do want to challenge you with something today that, that really is, you know, it's, as a minister, there's certain series that we've been working on, and I kind of put one of those off because it felt like I wanted to speak this to us today. And as I, how many of you do a, a daily reading plan or you do something like that? I encourage you all to do that. Is your personal growth with Christ is something that you, you need to take control of and you, you continue to grow. I'm going to say this, and this may sound like I'm not concerned about job security, but <clears throat> if this is the only feeding in Scripture you get during the week, it's not enough. That's, that's not how it was meant to be. It's meant to be this, this, this moment we're going to have together here is to, to jump charge you, maybe to correct some theology, that kind of thing. But, but your daily walk with Christ is really your responsibility, and I encourage you to make an investment in that. And today, we live in a day that's, that's different than any other time in history. You know, one of the things you hear people complain a lot about is, is maybe connectedness or tech or phones or phones are everywhere. And I, I, I understand all that. There's a lot to criticize. But one of the things I love is that you have more access to more information and, and more access to the scripture and the word of God than ever, ever in history. It's amazing. On your phone, you know, that I've heard this joked around that, you know, there's more technology in our phones than landed the first, you know, spaceship on the moon. I'm not sure if that's true, but, but regardless, I know the first time I ever saw a computer, gosh, I told myself I wasn't going to date myself or embarrass myself again today, but we went to UCSD on a field trip in 10th grade because we were learning to write, anybody computer, you know, basic, that language. Uh, we were messing around with that. We went in. The computers were probably as big as this whole stage, huge reel-to-reel reels, and it was all air-conditioned, and, and um, <clears throat> life has changed. Now you can get on your phone, and you can access uh, probably every version of the Bible that there is, so you can find one that you understand and makes sense to you. You can have it read it to you. I mean, it's amazing. But in my Bible reading, this year, what I'm trying to do is go through the Bible chronologically, and as I'm doing that... Um, Oh, geez. Again, let's be honest, okay? Some parts of it are not as interesting as others. Can we be honest about that? Okay? You probably never thought you'd hear that in church from a pastor, but <clears throat> it's the truth. And as I'm going through there, I've, I've, I've gone through, you know, Genesis. And, you know, Genesis is a story of creation, and it talks about the people of God and how that, that family kind of forms and really good, good famous stories in the book of Genesis. You know, we, you can read about, uh, well, lots of great stories. Okay, so then we go to Exodus. And I mentioned that as we were talking about communion, where the people of Israel had gone there as, they, they had originally gone there as, as probably honored people, Joseph's family, then ended up being slaves for 400 years, then the freedom, the exodus, they're leaving, that means leaving, and then uh, as they leave, we learn something about the Jewish people that we can relate to. Anybody, any, anybody on track with me yet here? What do we learn about them that's similar to us? <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, they're sinners. That's true. You know something else we learn? That, that they want to do good, and then it, it doesn't last very long, right? I mean, here they, they see all the miracles, and they leave, they leave Egypt, and it's not very long, and they're complaining again. And they're saying, we'd rather go back to Egypt because it's hot here, and there's, we're, there's this and that, and they complain, complain, complain. So they, they follow God, and then they don't. Is that true for any of us? <laughs> yes. And that's why God gives us the Bible, so we can look at their lives and see the principles and the things that, that we need to learn and how we need to walk our, the, the same way and hopefully not make the same mistakes over and over and over that they have made. So as you look through the book of Exodus, you see how they're, they're preparing and they wander in the wilderness and then they come, they come to the Jordan River to finally take the land. And then you go so Genesis, Exodus, then Leviticus. 
not the most interesting book, but a lot of law in there, right? A lot of rules, okay? And then uh, we get to Numbers. What do you think Numbers is about? Accurately named book, a lot of numbers. They're counting this, counting that. It, it's important, it's good, but it's, it's just tedious. And then we get to the book of, anybody know what it is? Deuteronomy. So as I've been reading through the book of Deuteronomy, I keep seeing this theme over and over, which, quite frankly, and this is one of the good reasons for you to read the Bible and to read it, read it all together, because there's things you don't always see, because, and this isn't bad, it just is what it is. A lot of times we cherry pick our favorite verses out, right? There's, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's just that, that a lot of times when you take those out of context, you don't read the full context. You don't see some of the things that God wants to teach us unless you read them all together. So as you're reading in the book of Deuteronomy, there's something that kept popping out, which, again, I didn't expect. I didn't expect, and that's what we're going to look at here today. But as, that's just a little a pre-introduction. How many of you uh, have ever seen a Woody Allen movie? This is not a criticism. I'm just asking. <laughs> I know he's a talented guy. I get that. But something happened a few years ago where he kind of came on my radar as a person more because something happened that was so startling, I I was just blown away by it. Um, Here's just like a little family album of him and his family. On on the left right up here, that's Mia Farrow. Some of you are probably familiar with her. Very very successful actress and uh, appeared in many of his movies. And uh, they started a relationship that lasted about 12 years. I call it a relationship because they were never married, even though she had, she had, been, uh, had other relationships and other biological children, and then she adopted a lot of children. I'm sure out of the kindness of her heart, she wanted to save some of these kids. You can see some of them are different nationalities, that kind of thing. And so, sadly, they had been together about 12 years when she discovered, um, now that I'm getting, saying this out loud, well, I'm, let's just say, she discovered nude pictures of one of their daughters that he had had. So it ended their relationship, ended in a very difficult custody battle where he was prevented from seeing most of the children. And in that battle, it came out that th- there was an accusation, never quite proven because they didn't have to because they just went on with the rest of the case, but that there had been some kind of abuse with one of the younger daughters. But um, see the little girl in the upper uh, right picture there? Sun Yi was, was adopted by... Mia Farrow, never by him, but, but adopted by her, and that's the girl that he had the pictures of, and then ended their relationship, and then he ends up marrying her. About 35-year age difference there. Let me show you a more recent picture of them. This is them. They're, I believe they're still married, but there's a recent picture of them. When he was asked about um, the age difference, here's what he said. He said, there's no logic to those things. You meet someone and fall in love, and that's that. And he said, the heart wants what the heart wants. I I remember hearing that, and I remember it caught me weird, like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm I'm just trying to figure this out. Did, Did you just justify what you did by saying the heart wants what the heart wants? Because then if that's true, the heart determines everything. Everything moral or immoral or what we do or don't do or everything, everything. I was just, I was really caught off, off guard. And then, then the more I looked into this situation here, um, one, he, he and Mia Farrow actually had one child together. That's Ronan Farrow, who's, who's kind of in the limelight again, you know, for some of his own achievements. But 
few years ago, he said, he's my father married to my sister. That makes me his son and his brother-in-law. That is such a moral transgression. Now, Ronan, to my knowledge, isn't a Christian. It's not like he's trying to impose Christian values on anything. This is a son in a family situation that's complicated and messy. He says, that's such a moral transgression. I'm still quoting. I cannot see him. I cannot have a relationship with my father and be morally consistent. I lived with these, all these adopted children, so they are my family. To say Sonia was not my sister is an insult to all adopted children. Man. It's interesting, isn't it? When you see clarity, you don't expect it. Maybe it comes from another place. You can say the heart wants what the heart wants, but, but really that's a poor excuse for things. I mean, it doesn't really hold up. I mean, but I do think that Woody Allen was right about one thing. I do, I do agree. The fact is that the human heart is hungry and powerful and often misguided and dangerous. And it's easy to be super moral standing here and moralize as a pastor as part of what I get paid to do, right? It's easy to do that. But I don't have to look very far to realize the heart is hungry and powerful and often misguided and dangerous. All I really have to do is look at me to see that. I mean, I can compare myself to him and feel like, wait, compare myself to him, right? Didn't we all just do that? Because I feel like I'm way, way better than him, right? You did too, didn't you? But the fact is, we're all like this. We're all hungry and powerful, and all of us have misguided and dangerous hearts from time to time. The fact is, we're always des- desperate to justify whatever we do. And, and if you can blame it on the heart, I mean, who can judge the heart? I mean, the heart is the heart. We all have the heart. And it's easy for me to, to judge him by his actions and me by my motives, because whatever I did that was wrong, I didn't mean to. I mean, I didn't intend it to hurt anybody, right? <sighs> It's funny, though, because that whole idea of the heart, the the follow your heart, I don't know if there's a Disney movie made that doesn't use that line at some point. And I'm not criticizing Disney. Don't don't anybody throw Mickey heads or anything at me. (laughs) All I'm saying is we use it to justify everything, don't we? But really, if you look inside, the truth is your heart is not your heart, my heart. Let's just do me, okay? I'm up here. Let's do me. My heart is selfish and greedy and angry and lustful and and vengeful and envious and, and lazy sometimes, and I'm blind to the obvious. And there's times where, because I'm wounded, my heart is wounded, that I stone up areas of it, and it doesn't work as well as it should. And there's times where things go wrong, and <clears throat> because I'm afraid to hurt again, I act in, in ways that maybe aren't great. And sometimes my heart is dull, and sometimes it's unable to feel, and sometimes it's unable to trust or accept. Or This is not a new concept. Blaise Pascal said, the heart has its reasons of which reason knows nothing. (laughs) Let's read that again. The heart has reasons of which the heart knows nothing. We're kind of in this constant battle between our heart and our head or or maybe reason and, 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 and logic and feeling. And the truth is, there's a middle ground there that God wants, and a lot of times it's tough for us to find it. And the idea, the concept of the human heart being the center of our personality goes throughout all of our language, and and certainly in Scripture, and it's places where you may not realize it, but it's everywhere. You might be talking to somebody, and they say, okay, let's get to the heart of the matter. 
I mean, you know what that means. We all know intrinsically what that means. You want to get down to the very center. When so, so when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the meaning, the inside of, of who you are, the values deeper than everything else. You want to have a real serious, emotional, heartfelt conversation? Oh, I just did it by accident. What do you do? You have a heart-to-heart, right? Your heart with their heart, where, where two hearts beat as one. I was just kidding. I was going to sing a little there. <laughs> We talk about romance being a matter of the heart and somebody having a broken heart and died of a broken heart. And you, can, you even cons- can you even imagine how many thousands of songs mention the heart? Music speaks to us in a way that, that kind of skips by the brain a lot of times and it skips right into our emotional level and talks right to the heart, right? And you hear a song and it, some, for sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's funny, I, for years and years, you know, people talk about music and, and maybe in a negative way or whatever. I mean, music is so powerful. And somebody might say, well, I, I just love the rhythm, right? I love the tune or the music. And, that, and that's true. But, but then on another level, there's times where there's a song you like because it speaks to something in your heart. Maybe, maybe they worded it in a way that you, you couldn't quite put it into those words, but they, they worded it into a catchy phrase that just communicates volumes for you. Or maybe... This happened. It was so cute. This happened. I don't remember if it was here at church or maybe it was in Jamaica, but this song came on, and I didn't even ask him if I could tell this, but, but Kristen turns to Jeremy, and she goes, do you hear that song? And he's like, guys, just guys, you know, like, what? <laughs> she goes, that's our song. And they just started dancing right there. It was, it was in Jamaica. It was where we ate, and all the kids are like, oh, no. Do you, do you see what that does? I don't know how many of you have a song. But it's, but it's usually a song that spoke to your heart together. Hearts. Bless you, bless you. Whoever that was. The, the problem is, our hearts can't always be trusted. I mean, the thing is, our hearts are here, then they're not here. And as I mentioned, tying this all into what I was talking about, the Bible reading, as I'm reading through these these books of the Bible that, that a lot of them are difficult to get through because you're wading through things that, you know, names you can't pronounce and, and dates and times you're talking about 6,000 years ago. But at, the thing that kept reoccurring is this. What is God after here? What is he after? Why did he give us all those books? You know what it is? It's simple as this. He's interested in your heart. He wanted Adam and Eve's heart. That's what he wanted. He wanted Cain and Abel's heart, and as you work your way through, what he wanted was our heart, the center of our being. And I never expected to see this in the book of Deuteronomy, but as I'm reading the book of Deuteronomy, it keeps talking about the heart. I keep expecting it to be all about rules, but what you find out right away, if you really look at it, it's not about rules with him. Rules are only meant there to to give you a guide by which you can see where your heart is. This will be a point later, but if your heart's in the right place, you don't need rules. Rules are only there to to show you, hey, you're bumping up against something because your heart isn't right. So the idea is investigate and find out what's what's wrong with your heart and get it right. But as you look through the Old Testament, it's easy again to moralize and say, how come they couldn't figure this out? How come they kept not following God? It seems like on the one hand, they wanted to do good, and, and on the other hand, they didn't. And then they would fail, and they would, they would do this, and God would try to rearrange things and get their heart again. But heart is difficult. It's one of those things that it's, it is hard to trust your heart. Going back to Genesis, 
The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. I know some of you are probably like, oh, come on, you're, it's exaggerating. It's not always evil. Come on. Probably you, it's true. But he's making a statement about humanity, and it doesn't, you don't have to read the newspaper. Or, do they still make newspapers? Okay, you don't have to watch the news and not see that the human heart is evil. It just is. How do you trust it then? What do you do? I mean, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, said, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. He wants your heart. This is a cheery one. Ecclesiastes, the hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil and there is madness. I love that word. Madness in their hearts while they live. You know, madness is just the English way of saying crazy, right? Your heart is crazy. It's crazy. Jesus echoed these thoughts. He said, from, from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. <laughs> out of the heart. Jesus said it again in, in uh, the book of Luke. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from your heart. It's in there. You know, in our world today, we want to we wanna be nice to everybody, so we don't want to label people. And, you know, maybe someone, you know, steals things over and over and over and has a pattern of that. And we, we would never call him a thief today, right? But what Jesus is saying is it's in your heart. It's who you are. It, it's a heart issue. You can all day long punish people for what they've done or, or, or that kind of thing, but if you don't change the heart, you don't change them. The, the bottom line is our hearts are inclined to evil. They lean that way. It's our basic identity. It's who we are. We, we live to please ourselves. I mean, it kind of puts a different spin on Woody Allen's quote, doesn't it? Just um, heart wants what it wants. It does what it, it wants. He's right about that. But I don't think he realized what he was saying when he said that. Because if you think about it, it really does want, it, what, want what it wants. And because it wants evil, it's really no surprise that what he chose what he chose, and I don't know what he had pledged to Mia Farrow. I mean, they weren't married, so per se, they didn't have vows. I don't know what he pledged, but it's no wonder that he chose what he wanted over what was maybe good for them. And instead of loyalty and honor, he chose selfishness and satisfaction. It's a heart problem. And we see it over and over and over. Remember, I was kind of walking you through Genesis, Exodus, Exodus they leave Egypt. As they leave Egypt, you know, you had a, you had a, they estimate, some estimates go as high as two and a half million people wandering around the, the desert. Most of them had been slaves for generations. Hard to even imagine what that would have been like. And now they need to be a free people and learn how to fight and become an army. So for 40 years, because of their, their sin and, their, and, and the inability to keep their heart right, but in that process, the entire generation dies off and you have a whole new generation. Wouldn't you think that would be the easy fix? Wouldn't the heart be right then? Because the old hearts are gone, now we've got new hearts. So as, as Moses is getting ready to, to die, he's kind of leaving his final words with them in the book of Deuteronomy. And here now you're going to see why, why this happened today. Deuteronomy 6.4. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your... What, what didn't he just say? Do this, 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 this. Because he wants you to love him with your heart. And he says, and with all your soul and with all your strength, these commandments that I give you are to be upon your hearts. The, the Jews quote this every day. They quote it, they call it the Shema, which can be a little confusing because it sounds like a word in English. It's not what it means. What that actually means, that, that word, Shema or whatever, is the first two words of that sentence, hear, O, is what that means. So they quote that over and over. But how many of you know you can quote something over and over and it not get in your heart? You can know everything and it not get in your heart. I mean, who do you think has perfect theology? The enemy of your soul. He knows, he knows right and wrong. He knows who's what and where, and he knows the Bible. He knows all that, but it didn't change his heart. God's desires for their heart. Look at 529. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Oh, that their hearts, hearts, and you might get hung up on that word fear. Some people, and they think, oh, God wants us afraid of him. That's not the point. I put it in brackets here. Worship me with an awe-filled reverence and a profound respect. But it's all about the heart. Maybe some of you have been involved in, in work or maybe the military, and you're in command, and you can make people obey, but it's different when their heart is in it. Am I right? How many of you have been told to do something and didn't do it from your heart? The example that always comes to mind is when my sister and I are fighting, and my mom would say, okay, now you two hug. Sometimes she even made us kiss, I'm just saying. I'm not recommending that. All I know is I didn't mean that hug. It wasn't in my heart. My heart had not changed. Now my behavior better for sure change, but my heart did not change. It's a difference, big, big difference. I, you know what I heard some parents do now is they get an oversized shirt, maybe dad's shirt, and they make them wear the same shirt for a while. That is funny. I mean, we never did that to our kids, but that, was, that would have been funny at least. Well, maybe not. <clears throat> it has to be the heart. Look at Look at this. I, I said this a minute ago. Line, we want lines, don't we? We want limits. Just tell me what I have to do and I'll do it. You know what you have to do? You have to love him with your whole heart. That means everything. That means everything and it changes everything. And you don't need lines when it's like that. Look at this verse. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul. I kept reading this and thinking, Wait, am you trying to tell me something? <laughs> you know, it's that old thing. I mentioned it last week, if the teacher repeats it. And as you're reading through the book of Deut Deuteronomy, I, honest to goodness, never saw all that before. Love me with your heart, your heart, your heart. You know what it reminded me of? Some of you are going to think it's corny, but that's who I am. Um, God wants to realign their basic orientation. Because right now, their orientation is to self. If you can imagine all these arrows just pointing to me, I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it. If my heart wants it, I want it, right? How many of you have ever, anybody, everybody done this before? Like you made a magnet, like a, made a compass out of a needle? Anybody ever done that? Let me ask you the other way. Who's never done this? Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe we can do it later, after church or something, but. Let me tell you the science, how this works, okay? On that needle right there, that piece of metal, 
there's magnetic charges in there. There's magnetic charges in everything, but, but typically they're all in different directions. They're, they're crazy directions. But then when you put it next to a magnet, they all point the same way for a minute. But here's the thing. You take the magnet away, guess what happens? They go right back to the way they were. If, okay, let me, I'll, I'll just make the point. So, so if you want to make that into a magnet, you want to magnetize it, you, what you have to do is you have to pull that magnet along the needle in one direction. You can't go back and forth. One direction. And then if you do that, it doesn't even take very long. It's, it's amazing. Just a few times. And then what happens is you actually realign, they're called dipoles, all that magnetic charge to one direction. And then that needle then becomes a compass, and if you put it on a little piece of cork and a little glass and water, it will point to due north. And it is kind of cool to do. I mean, if you've never done it before, it's kind of cool. Yeah, someone just corrected me, due north is that way. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> do, do you see the point? You can be around God once a week. Whenever, maybe you're a Christer, Christmas Easter Christian. If you're coming in contact with him, that magnet, every once in a while, you'll get aligned for a minute, but it'll wear off. It will. It just will. And what God is trying to do, he's trying to tell these people, I want you to love me with your heart, your heart, your heart, your heart. But most of the time, anytime our heart starts to get affected, we want it our way, so we, we move around and we don't, get, we don't uh, get realigned just for a moment. We stay realigned. And we don't become that compass pointing to true north, which would be God. But that's what he wants. He wants to align your heart. So how do you do it? I know you're thinking, okay, okay, we get the point. Now what do we do with all this? Have you ever been given a task and it's just too hard? Maybe your teacher gave you a math problem. I, had, I remember when I had, a, you know, geometry or something, I remember the teacher said, he get, she gave us this quadratic equation. She said, anybody who could solve this would get an A for the semester or whatever. But she didn't tell us how to do it. She didn't, she didn't explain that. And, and what her intention was that by the end of the semester, we would understand that because that's what we were studying all semester, right? But at the time, it was frustrating. You give me something I can't do? You give me something that's impossible to do? So you may be sitting here and thinking, well, wait a minute, you just got done telling us how evil our hearts are, and the Bible says we're evil, 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 so why bother? Why did I even come today? I get that. And maybe you're thinking, okay, maybe, maybe you use that Woody, and, and God, pray for him. I don't know where his heart is right now. I have no idea. All I know is what happened in his life. And I know that, that most of us hear that story and think, okay, I've done bad things, but not like that, right? Truth is, Probably most of us are sitting here and realize the fact that none of us are ever going to be that great. And most of us, like, the, like all those stories in the Bible, we're going, to, we're going to follow God for a while with our heart. And then just like this magnet example, once we're away from him for a while, then we realign and we just do what we want again. So you're probably sitting here thinking, you kind of gave me the quadratic equation and now I'm, I don't know what to do with it. It's funny though, this verse is the one that made me decide to preach on this today. Now, what I'm commanding you to do today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. Isn't that funny? Isn't it funny that God tells you, hey, I'm asking you to do this, but it's not too hard. You can do it. I mean, he literally says that. It's not beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend to heaven and get it and proclaim to us that we may obey it. He's saying it's not too high. It's not too high that you can't reach it. Then he says, nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No, 
The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so you may obey it. Do you realize he puts it in you already? And, and you, you've illustrated that already by being here. You are here. You're already doing that. You're already walking that road. Probably many of you have already professed God, even if, maybe even worship today, and you say, God, I want to serve you better. I want to be more like you. And you even saying that shows that it's there. It's in you. So what do you do? How do you make it stick? How do you make it work? Jumping jump in here. Um, person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. It's, it's really a partnership. Some people get the idea that serving God is all me, and if I can be good enough and I can try hard enough, I can do this and this and this, then he'll accept me. And that's not how it works. The fact is, it's more like we come to him and say, God, I want to be more like you, and I want to serve you more like what Pastor Dennis was saying there and what I read in Scripture. Can you help me? And he says, yes, I was dying for you to ask. I'll bet you, it's been a long time, but I'll bet you if I'd have gone up to that teacher and said, how do you get started on this? She would have probably said, start like this. You realize that, right? He wants to help you. He wants you to do this. The thing is, you first need to choose to give him your heart. Now, probably a lot of you are like, oh, I did that at the altar a long time ago. I did that when I was eight. I get that. But that's, that's just the beginning. When, when I say give him your heart, I'm talking about something you do on a daily. Because on a daily basis, my heart wants to go in all different directions. On a daily basis, I need to correct that and say, wait a minute, where is my true north? And how do I align myself with that? And God, can you take this heart that I know inside is it's not perfect at all, and make it more like you and point where you want it to point. Can you make me care about the things you care about? Can you make me concerned about what you're concerned about? Can you make me want to live for you with no lines? I don't need lines because I'm going to do what you want at every moment. It's about a heart check. You've got to choose to give him your heart. There's some funny stories in history. If you're not a student of history, I encourage it. But um, there's a story about Charlemagne. You guys familiar with him? emperor of the Holy Roman Empire once it was, anyway, the, about the 1400s, Middle Ages, and the, the, the Muslims were conquering and slaughtering and killing all across of uh, Middle East, and they were moving, and he stopped them in the Battle of Tours, if you're not familiar with that. That's, he was a great person in history. He stopped their progression into the West. So, but there's a funny story, because he wanted all his troops to be Christian. Anybody heard this story before? But the problem was, the church said, well, if you're going to get baptized as a Christian, you can't be a soldier anymore. So here's what they did. He would ba- have his soldiers baptized, and then whether they're right or left-handed, they would hold their sword hand out of the water. So as they were baptized, part of them, most of them went in, but the sword hand stayed out. <laughs> silly, isn't it? It's silly. But what were they saying? I'm going to give you my heart, but just most of it. most of it. I'm going to keep parts out. Because the thing is, he wants your whole heart, and he wants it daily. Here's another example. Uh, I heard this story, and you, I've heard it even, I've probably even said it before, but, you know, this, this wife, you know, is talking to her husband. She's like, honey, do you, do you love me? And he's like, I told you that on our wedding day, right? If anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> or better, this one of my favorite stories, and I've told it before, so I apologize if you heard it, but you know, this older couple, they pull up behind a younger couple. And, and you don't see it very often any day, but 
today, these days, but this younger couple had a, a bench seat in their, in their vehicle, and the, the girl was slid up right next to his, him under, her arm, under his arm. You know, he's driving, and the girl's like this, and the, the wife looks over at her husband, and she says, aw. And he's like, what? He goes, look at that couple ahead of us. He goes, yeah, so? He goes, look how close they're sitting. Look at what's going on. He goes, yeah. She goes, remember we used to do that? And he looks over at her, and he goes, I never moved. Mm. Mm. It's a daily thing. When I say give him your heart, I'm talking about something you need to do over and over and over. And every day you need to realign and say, God, where am I? And you, are we good? Because if not, I need to change something. I want my heart aligned with you. It's like that magnet. I mean, the, the less time you, you spend with him and you're not going to be as aligned and you're just going to go back to who you are. It's a complete thing. A complete thing. Jesus Jesus, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, gave us a heart check. Remember it said the rules? A lot of times you bump up into them to see where your heart's at. Here's one of his heart checks. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths and eat, uh, eat them and dest- rust destroys them and thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. It's a heart check. So what does that mean? It means you can have heaven on earth. I mean, I know you know already the difference between heavenly treasure and earthly treasure. I mean, earthly treasure is money, power, status, cars, houses, things, whatever. You know that. So what is the, earth, the heavenly treasure? Uh, just to get started, <laughs> love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all those fruit of the Spirit, and then, and then fellowship with God and his people. Oh, my goodness. Fellowship with God and his people? That's the thing I think people that, that are not Christians, they don't understand. We, we serve a God, and for, for a lot of them, they just can't even conceptualize this. Wait a minute, you think God is real? Yes. And you can know him? Yes. You, yeah, I heard someone say amen. But a lot of people in the world, they don't, they don't get that. They don't understand the fact that, that if you want heaven on earth, you can have it now. Because if he's your treasure, and that's where your heart is, everything changes. And your alignment, well, you only have to think about it. You don't even have to think. You don't have to follow any rules. Remember that first day on the job, and you had a checklist of things you had to do? Remember that? And you're walking through, okay, this, this, and this, okay. Oh, I forgot that one thing. I'm going to go back and do that. And then, and then, you know, like in a week, you don't even know where the checklist is because you just do it. You know what it takes and what needs to be done. And not only that, you see other things that should be done because your heart's in the right place and you do those too. And you couldn't even put them on a checklist because it's all things that have to be done. <laughs> if I could have the worship team join me up here. Uh, so what is it about? The first thing, it's about knowing him. Knowing him. Do you want to know this God who loves you so much as we celebrated in communion that, that he gave his son to die for you just to have that relationship? Do you want to know him like that? Can you imagine your heart being so connected to him that you never had to think twice about what was right or wrong because it would just automatically go the right direction? You would never have to worry about it. As you read the scripture, you'd be thinking, man, these people, I don't understand why they didn't see that because it's obvious to me. Rather than like me, a lot of times, like, uh, I did that too, or I'm as bad as that, or I made that same mistake, or the thing is, we serve a God who loves you, and like I said in that one scripture, I laughed out loud when I read that in Deuteronomy. That's, quite honestly, I surprised myself. <laughs> I mean, who laughs in the book of Deuteronomy? I laughed when he said, it's not too hard for you. It's not so high you can't reach it, and it's not across the sea you can't get to it. What he's saying is it's in your heart already to love me, to serve me, but that part needs to be directed to him. So how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you do it? Because humans, we really can't love God on our own. We can't. 
not the way we need to. We try, we try, we try, but then we fail and we stumble and that's normal. Because the heart wants what the heart wants. So the key is to get your heart to want what it should want and that is to want God. The key is to be in contact with him enough in the right direction so you point north. There's a scripture in the book of Ezekiel that it's so clear on it. Let's just read it. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I know how we are. There, there, there may be someone in here. Everything, you, you may agree with everything, but then there may be some people in here who are saying, I'm fine. I'm good enough. I'm, I'm better than, than that Woody guy, and I'm better than the people I'm sitting by, so I'm good. That could be. And maybe you are good. The thing is, though, unless your heart is aligned with him, none of us are that good, and none of us are good enough. But it's not hard for our heart to get stony and stubborn. Sometimes that happens by our choices, and sometimes it happens by choices other people have made that affect us. I mentioned earlier, you know, you might be wounded and hurt, and because of that, you, you put up a barrier, and it could be stone. It may be just that you're frustrated with God because things haven't worked out like you thought they should or, or that you've been faithful and yet you feel like he has not been faithful or maybe things haven't happened that you thought should happen. And as a result of that, you start to get a little stubborn with him and push him off and say, I don't know, I, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I'm gonna ask you to shut your eyes for a minute, everybody in the room. And as you do that, here's what I'm asking you. Is it possible that maybe your heart is not where it should be? Is it possible that maybe for whatever reason it's become a little stony or a little stubborn and, and you feel like you're not quite as aligned like you should be? Anybody here like that? Would you just raise your hand just in honesty for a minute? Appreciate all those hands. More important though, it's not about me. It's about a God who wants your heart. He wants your heart. I can't, I'm shocked at how many times he talks about your heart in the book of Deuteronomy. He wanted their heart. He wants your heart. The first step is for you to choose him, to follow him. It's the first step. The next thing is to spend more and more time with him so that you align with him. I'm going to ask another question, and this is the most important question. I'm wondering if there's anybody here today, maybe you've been around church before, you know some of this, maybe this is your first time ever, but as you walk in here today, you're hearing things that that maybe at first you're curious, maybe you don't even understand it all, but you're maybe sitting there today and you're thinking, if this is true, if there's a God who cares about me like this and he was willing to sacrifice his son for me, and if that's true, that you would give him your heart today, we just want to pray with you. If that's you and you would want to give him your heart today, would you just raise your hand and we would pray with you. Let me pray for the rest of us then. I'm going to ask you all, if you would, just to keep your heads bowed for just a minute. I'm going to pray over you, and I'm going to ask that God would heal our hearts. There may be some of you even in here with a broken heart, or a heart that, that, that right now you're not even sure which way it points. But right now you need to speak to him. As I'm praying, I want to encourage you to do this. As I'm praying out loud, I want you to pray. Um, I want you to pray on your own. Because he hears you. 
He hears those prayers. And what I'm praying may be close to what you need to pray, but not exactly. So you just add in what you need because he will hear your prayer. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we, we come before you with hearts that, that are not always lined up the way you want them to go. We're, we, we, we have that desire, but then there's times where we fail and we make mistakes and we, our heart gets, gets in other directions. And God, I ask that today that you would help each and every one of us as we give you our heart and we choose to follow you, that you would make a difference in us that would change everything. God, we want to follow you that way in a way that, that we don't even have to check the rule book because we know it's the right way because it's what you would want us to do. Father, I pray that for each of these, as we have raised our hands and said our heart has become a little stony, that you would soften that. And as this verse says, that you would give us a new heart, a heart that's tender and more responsive. That's what we pray for this morning in every way. Father, we pray that as, as, as things come to us through the day, that our response would be how your heart would respond. Whether that's people in need or people that are frustrating or whatever it is, God, that we want your heart in our heart. God, we want to spend time with you. And I pray that for each of these people, as, as maybe they go to your word, some of them maybe for the first time, that you would begin to speak to them through your word in ways that they, they're completely surprised by. I pray that you would, you would open new things, that you would show them things, even in passages that are familiar that they had never even seen before. Father, I pray that as they, as they spend time with you in prayer, that you would just open up the heavens and it would feel like to them that it's, that it's an immediate communication back and forth and that they would be showered with your peace and your grace. Father, I pray that you would guide us in every step and everything that we do, not only just leaving this place, but everybody we encounter. In Jesus' name we pray. Change us and make us new. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Pastor Jeremy, if you would...